to the Modern Lawyer Podcast. My name is Anand Upadhyay, and thanks for joining us. This is a podcast about rapid change in the legal industry. We'll focus on legal technology, knowledge management, law libraries, automation, and the business of law. Scott Bailey is the Global Director of Research Services at Squire Patton Boggs. He's seen decades of law firm transition, including acquisitions, rapid growth, and restructuring. He's a specialist in not just identifying technology that can help his law firm's attorneys, but also bringing it into his firm across practice groups and stakeholders. Our discussion today ranges from the critically important practice of communicating and collaborating across law firm teams to designing products and process attuned to the unique workflow of his firm's attorneys. Scott, welcome to the Case Text Podcast. It's an honor to have you on. Thanks, Anand. I'm really glad to be here. So, Scott, I always start off uh, with uh, the, the, the same question, and that is, how did you get into this racket? How did you get into the CAM, library, uh, legal research world? You know, I've always been captivated by questions, right, and the, the research process and trying to find the answers. And I think it was uh, actually back as an English major, as an undergrad, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what can I do with this research skill and this interest in, in learning how to bring things together? I think we were working with our first hypertextual project back in the English department with, with uh, I believe it was uh, Milton, you know. Uh-huh. Like, how cool is the research process now, being able to draw from all these online sources in this wonderful world of Windows 95, you know, <laughs> to, be, to be able to actually you know, link concepts and things together and use other people's uh, resources and and, uh, and come by, you know, through this collaborative process to an answer. I think it was J.J. Uh, Abrams has this great uh, TED talk about opening a magic box, you know, and the drama about knowing that the answer is in there, you know, what exactly is $5 worth of magic, you know, and he, he buys this box and he, he takes a look at it and he never wants to open it because <laughs> he knows the answer's in there. But it's it's not defined. And I love the idea of trying to define that answer and being captivated by that magic box of mystery, you know, and not not knowing exactly where to go at first. But then with the collaboration of others and using the right tools, finding that answer for people. It's, it's always been a great, uh, a great challenge for me to sort of get people together and and, uh, and find answers. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and I take it that you, uh, you know, were a humanities major, uh, a literature major in undergrad and then you went on to, uh, to was it to library school yeah I did library school information science program in uh, in Knoxville at the University of Tennessee and I was able to get in law law school at that point uh, and do uh, work with the law school in an independent study at the University of Tennessee and that's where I saw real uh, reference and research librarians working in a law school context and help the uh, professors grade the uh, reading and writing papers uh, for uh, legal research and that was that was a tremendous education too going back through the law library at the time and removing all the post-its in the books that help people cheat about the next question you know were you interested in legal um as early as as college or did you kind of just fall into uh legal as one way you can kind of uh, uh follow your passion for these questions and organizational structures I was interested in legal as early as college. 
maybe before. I thought the idea of, of learning such a complex system uh, was seemed to be this almost immeasurable challenge, and the idea of so many unknowns in the system, and that it was such a valued system that uh, people were continuing to research and interpret over time, over and over again, and analyze. I, I found that to be fascinating. And of course, the, the notion of argument and finding support of it is so important that the actual uh, notion of a knowledge worker really pervades the entire field. I can't think of uh, one that's more driven by knowledge, really, than the law. I mean, the idea of selling the knowledge as the ultimate product is really uh, is really something that the industry uh, acknowledges, and you know, it's an exciting place to work. So I, I know that at Squire Patent Boggs, um, you you have this this you know you have this great a great title. It's a global director of research services, uh, and uh, you know you get to to choose a lot of the direction of the firm as it approaches a lot of these kind of large scale technology challenges. But how do you view yourself? Do you view yourself more as a strategist and manager, as a librarian who just gets to do stuff on a larger scale, a knowledge management person? Yeah, I think I'm a collaborator in all those areas. I think you could put me in any of those categories, depending on the situation. I think, you know, people have said, well, well, you've been here 14 years at this firm. Wait a minute, is that a little bit too long to be in one place? And I can tell you, it's not one place. It's constantly in motion. I mean, this firm, we just opened our Atlanta office, makes the 48th office for the firm. We've just uh, we just uh, added some new practices. The insurance litigation is uh, is is growing here in D.C. But the idea that the firm has actually combined five times in the time that I've been here has really informed me in a different way. I feel like I like to bring teams together. And even at my first law firm, Chambliss, Bonner and Stoffel, it was a product of a merger within the same building in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So bringing knowledge collections together was my very first very first task, basically, my first management job. And since then, I've been bringing people and, and resources together. That's basically how I've done it, whether it's uh, two print collections in the same building in Chattanooga or it's 20 different uh, diverse uh, collections here as we uh, made the very complex combination with Patton Boggs where you not only just have law firms coming together, but you have a policy practice, a lobbying practice, new technology, uh, different uh, departments coming together in totally different structures and harmonizing those because what is their common need? They all need answers, right? So the idea of researching those even within a complex organization of over 3,000 people, just in an inward facing way. I've, I've been fascinated by that challenge and we still make connections, you know, new connections every day with our existing practices so large and diverse. What is the, the, the big, large scale kind of overriding challenge with respect to research services uh, in a merger? Um, when you merge and look, the, the Squire Sanders patent Boggs merger was one of the biggest mergers over the last several years, um, you know, two powerhouses coming together. Um, how, how did that affect you? And what were the big challenges that you had to overcome in your role? I think the best part about it was that we got more, right? We got more resources, we got more people, and then we learned more, right? So getting people together first off and having, spending basically a day in the life around new research staff, new technology staff, 
the idea that we tend to label people in law firms about, you know, you need to work within this department or you need to be, you know, if you're in business development, you're, you know, working with business development people. I think that's one of the biggest weaknesses to the traditional model of a law firm. And when we, you know, you hear a lot about the silo breaking and I think technology and research basically helps us break that down in a neutral way. You know, people can come to the research uh, department or a uh, knowledge worker, if you will, or a knowledge manager in a way that uh, they wouldn't necessarily if they were perceived as, you know, internally competing. So I think it, it's a nice place to, to comment in a collaborative way to bring people together. And I think uh, I would I would suggest that that part has affected me the most to see people basically uh, add to each other's strengths over time in different geographic locations, different industries, different uh, different sections of the firm, different verticals. You right. see a, a tremendous uh, end product when you see all of that come together. And I think I think that uh, what the new products are, are doing for us is basically blurring those lines. I saw we were just I saw you at uh, Legal Tech. Um, the idea that you know we were having more uh, participation between different sections and different uh, attorneys and staff and and uh, and basically the, the technology, the idea that uh, you know the legal tech was a domain of technology or IT has completely uh, necessarily eroded because in order to communicate and be effective, our technology partners and our uh, practice partners in litigation had to come together in something like that to have an effective evaluation. It has to be a, a 360 process that, uh, that basically acknowledges the various aspects of the firm, much like a merger. I mean, you know, evaluating these technology tools is the same process. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, speaking of, I had the privilege of meeting uh, your colleague, Steve Fazio. Uh, and, and it's really intriguing because as you mentioned, uh, uh, as you alluded to, Steve Fazio is a um, uh, a very prominent uh, trial lawyer and litigation partner based out of Cleveland uh, with the firm. And I know the two of you uh, work together. And and I agree that that appears to be a kind of a new thing, you know, a, uh, a very senior research services person at a firm working with a very senior lawyer. How, how did that develop? And, um, you know, what is the nature of the work that, that you and Steve kind of pair up on? Well, I have to say that, you know, that partnership develops out of the need to learn more about artificial intelligence and understand the needs of our attorneys, right? So in in making a decision about new tools to bring on, like uh, Kara Case Text, you have to have a conversation going that involves practical evaluations of the tool. You know, it's like, what are we trying to accomplish with this? It's not just a buzzword, right? AI has got to, got to do something for the firm that results in an efficiency or revenue or uh, and the idea that we're progressing as a, as a department. So in order to do that, we got to look to leadership like Steve Fazio's uh, over litigation in, in one of our largest offices. And he brought together a group that involved technology, uh, litigation support, e-discovery. He, he brought together a group of evaluators that really thought about the whole life cycle of the firm and the management of the firm and litigation department specifically. But not necessarily just limited to those practice areas. So what we're seeing is a little bit of a consideration beyond uh, beyond different you know, beyond specific practice areas and specific tools. So that uh, you know, in order to do that, getting together with the research department, which operates globally across practice areas, made perfect sense. 
So that collaboration also involved, you know, technology and business development considerations. I think one of the biggest uh, opportunities we have in research and knowledge management and in the practice too, in the litigation practice uh, where Steve is, is the idea of what's next. The business development department needs to be involved in that, right? How do you see the horizon scanning going for litigation? You know, what is that looking like? And, uh, you know, what isn't technology a part of that and isn't research and, and the knowledge management of the firm? necessarily a part of that. So I think it, it grew organically, uh, those relationships grow organically about a need to learn more about these emerging technologies and the overall concept of innovation, because obviously it's a very you know competitive industry and, and it's time to innovate and move forward and, and experiment with new tools. And I've been heard, I've been told uh, more than once uh, within the firm and of course among my colleagues at other firms, uh, this, this is a moment, this is a time for innovation and uh, the firm wants to be there. It's it's a really good segue to, to the next question I was going to ask, which is, you know, in this moment of uh, of, of rapid technological change, um, where do you think we're going next? What do you think the next 10 years is going to look like in the legal technology world? Wow. Yeah, I think we're going to have more insight into the actual practice by actually talking to people. And uh, I don't, yeah, that, that sounds pretty drastic. Actually talking to people. <laughs> I think we're actually going to do it. I spent a good 20 minutes today, at least in real time, observing and a senior associate write a blog post based on in, in the area of Scythius, actually. Uh, you know, the international trade about, you know, how does he assimilate this information? How does he go about it? And we were thinking about how we could improve this with technology over time. So not only in the sense of how can we immediately save his time and put it to more higher value purposes, but what can we do in the future? What new technologies are going to come out that are going to um, to help us along that line? And, and that it is involving, especially with the blog, it involves business development, it involves communications within the firm. How do we make that uh, more seamless inside the firm across practice areas, cross-selling? I think uh, one of the advantages of uh, the global firm and the notion of you know combining and, uh, among multiple firms, and we're hearing that the future in the next 10 years is going to involve a lot of consolidation. It's our technology needs to reflect that. We hear a lot about federated uh, search. We hear a lot about integrated products. You know, you look at the large platforms in our industry, technologically, they're all integrating more and more of their component platforms. They're also, there's a lot of acquisitions, obviously, in our space right now. And we look at the technology acquisitions, that's toward the, uh, you know, much like our firm is is acquiring and, and much like our firms are, are growing, so are these platforms, right? So that, that I think we're looking at fewer products, fewer platforms that are much more capable, and they recognize that global scope uh, that you see in the larger firms, that this notion of, you know, the, basically the capabilities are vast. And there are fewer uh, fewer competitors in the area, but that uh, basically they can also be customized in a way that reflects that individual uh, reaction uh, interaction that we had today with that senior associate. That we saw, we observed a process, we made recommendations. We're talking about workflow, and the integration between the technology and the firm work product is necessarily more important. We may be getting uh, further along in a uh, more commodified. Uh, practice, right? So we can start at at a later stage to allow for the creativity of law 
to be more in depth and be, be the greater focus that the it, we're starting at a at a, at a later um, endpoint so that uh, we can really bring the, the both the products and the service along to the clients because ultimately we're delivering the product more efficiently to the client and we're with more insight with more higher level insight right. by starting at a later at a later point where the commodified work is out of the way what problems uh, from your perspective do you feel that the the legal technology innovators in the space right now are not fully addressing another way to put this is you know if you were in front of you know hundreds of silicon valley uh, entrepreneurs who just needed that big idea uh, what would you advise them to look at in legal technology i mean there's a lot of uh, um, companies out there that are working on data analytics or for example us at case techs on research and there's of mm-hmm. course many others in research there's some that are doing some work on billing uh, um, you know certainly doc review right e-discovery um, but what area uh, you know from from your perspective do you think is just kind of being neglected Wow, that's that's interesting. I, I feel like it's the integration that's being neglected. You know, to go to multiple different places for uh, an integrated picture of the research is is no longer going to be an option. I think people are going to look for um, you know for fewer fewer searches and a, a stronger sense of the legal research process management. Right, that um, basically that within the workflow internally. Let's 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 face it. People go to Google. They go internally to their firm documents and then they look for you know external sources that are going to validate or support their research um, we need to we need to bring the whole workflow of the practitioner together into one place where we can um, I feel like there are certain areas of uh, like for instance being in a, in a firm where there's uh, obviously a strong lobbying and public policy practice as well as uh, the practice of, of law in a, a number of areas the idea that there are people working in one practice area or one uh, administrative unit of the firm on basically uh, one issue and another uh, another issue is totally related to that. Let's just say uh, corporate work or transactional work and uh, regulatory work in the CFIA space, for, for instance, when a merger occurs, there are certain triggers that unify them. So I think the idea, the, the, the thing that we need to focus on are those triggers of business, the triggers in the legal space that create opportunity for business, make a transaction actually come together or a litigation uh, point, a phase of litigation occur. Those triggers need to be more mapped out. And I think that involves, uh, again, talking to people, you know, following uh, the, the practice and making it reflective of that. Too many times we see a solution that's already baked into the idea of a narrow application. Right. I think what we're, what folks are ignoring is the idea of listening to the client and designing something around the client's workflow and talking to the client in this case us you know or you know in, in a lot of cases the client directly you know there there are times when uh, when you can sell those types of research services directly to clients and we have some precedent for that as well you know I really appreciate that that answer I, I want to read you something here that is somewhat really I think somewhat tra- tangentially related to this but I think uh, um, it is on theme and it's something that was written, I, I believe, about one of the presentations that you gave. And I'm just going to read that aloud here. Quote, uh, new opportunity, and this is something that you uh, presented on, quote, new opportunities can arise from embedding researchers in practice groups where they can advise 
on the development of new workflow best practices. And I think that kind of dovetails with your theme of actually listening to people. Um, but, uh, you know, how, how have you, uh, kind of conceptualized that at Squire Patent Boggs and, and, and to what extent have you, have you implemented, uh, embedding researchers in practice groups? I think researchers, yeah, whether they're attorney researchers in practice or whether they're researchers supporting an attorney in practice, they benefit from context. It's the same essential context. So if they get insight from knowing the overall workflow, they need to be in those meetings, right? Uh, too often, I think a research department can be reactive or passive, uh, often because they don't have a choice to get the context, right? They'll get a request that comes from a, a system or they'll get an email request from a practitioner and not know any sort of context around it. Time and again, I've seen the conversation and the work product improve when there is more context around that, when there's a feedback loop, right? There's a listening to the attorney, there's the delivery of the product, and then there's the follow-up, right? The essential, you know, was this what you needed? There's too often people won't want to analyze the process. And what I'm seeing now with, uh, especially this uh, new generation of, uh, I guess, senior associates with best, best, uh, best, uh, way to describe that interaction. Those, those folks are coming to us with more, uh, willingness to share the context, more willingness to share their, pro their process and actually outline with us. We actually have workflows, uh, by practice area for certain applications that we do. I mentioned the, the international trade blog. We have a workflow around that where it's a research and business development and attorney feedback loop so that everyone's involved. Nobody feels cut out of the system and everybody can add their insight from their own perspective. And I think it, it uh, results in a market leading product. What do you think needs to change in the world of research services, knowledge management, uh, or law libraries right now? What do you think is is kind of broken or uh, ignored um, that, that needs to change across uh, knowledge management, uh, information services in uh, you know American law practice? I think the visibility for our field, at least uh, for the research field specifically, the idea that uh, for a long time in the firm's uh, business development has been a practice-aligned resource. It wasn't thought uh, as particularly innovative or special for a for a practice group meeting to include a business development professional or a professional from some other administrative unit. You know, typically as as the cycle of the year would uh, would dictate, like uh, finance or right. technology, if they needed something. I think the continuous nature of that feedback loop involves the research professionals. So I think the number one thing is that visibility. You know, we'll see uh, internally with memos often, you know, in firms will say, you know, this this uh, business development team, these, these uh, attorneys, you know, uh, resulted in the win. But it's really beyond that. It's also the research department, it's the technology team, it's the knowledge management team. Whoever resulted in that win needs to be part of that context and they buy into it and advance the whole, the whole thing. So maybe that's the same point as last. Time, but I think that the visibility or the recognition for that, um, you know, is, is basically it's earned and it's there. It just needs to be mined a bit and, uh, and brought out in publications and internally within uh, our organizations. Do you think that that applies to the visibility of knowledge management research to the client as well? One of the themes that I picked up 
from uh, Legal Week was um, the emergence of uh, knowledge management or library folks in RFP meetings in order to secure new business. And obviously, they're, uh, they're maybe not obviously, but presumably they're there to talk about um, you know the, the new technology that the law firm is using and the ways that that new technology or new practices keeps the law firm efficient. Is that part of, of uh, when you talk about visibility for KM, what you're referring to? Yes, I think direct client visibility is great. And the idea that uh, whether, whether research is in the room or whether knowledge management or KM is in the room isn't as important as whether their product is or the notion of their product is in the room. The idea that whether it's added value as, uh, you know, offering a database to a, you know, that's internally produced to a client through an extranet or whether it's something, uh, you know, more direct in terms of, you know, this is your research department. Think of them as your research department as well. Um, you know, offering our lower rates typically in knowledge management or research as an alternative fee arrangement possibility. Interesting. Thinking about us in a business way. Think of us as a business within a business that's there to accommodate and scale to the needs of the client to, to basically result in a win for everybody. And, and the client and, right, results and, in a lower bill. So and, it's, it's and among many things, that makes the knowledge management department not a cost center, but actually leverage for the firm, right? Absolutely. We want to contribute across all areas of the firm. What we did here in D.C. and what we've got is a presentation I'm doing with uh, Gino Grady. I think you've also interviewed for this podcast. We have. We're doing a presentation on, you know, how do you how do you apply these things to all the different uh, how do you apply research services and knowledge management to benefit every department of the firm, every life cycle, you know, whether it's the matter or the client matter or whether it's the office, even administration, hiring, lateral movement, all the things that we can track and help grow the firm along its strategic objectives. I mean, we don't want there to be a single law firm employee that doesn't understand some aspect of how research can benefit their their careers, their lives, and help uh, move the business forward. Well, and speaking of, of Gino Grady, who, who absolutely was uh, um, one of our earliest uh, podcast guests, uh, I did a little research and uh, found a, a write-up of a, a presentation that you gave, I think maybe a panel that you were on with Gene. And, and I want to ask you about one of the, um, the kind of uh, quotes or maybe a paraphrasing of what you said. And that, that reads as follows. Scott wants to remind us all that librarians are change agent action heroes that can transform your space and staff to generate revenue and insight. And I really, you know, that really jumped out to me. I love that, that line. Um, what do you, what are you speaking of when you when you talk about librarians as change agent action heroes? Because, you know, as anyone who's familiar with pop culture knows, um, I think what most people think of when they think of librarians, whether it's law librarians or any other kind of librarian, is not change agent action heroes. But in your mind, how are they, in fact, action heroes? Well, you know, we're not thinking about Noah Wiley, right? In the TNT series, the librarians. I mean, this is a this is a fundamental thing where we're, we're our imagination is captivated by the seeker of information, right? I mean, there have been all these librarian action heroes in uh, in history and in movies, the desk set. Uh, I'm thinking about this as I look at my Nancy Pearl action figure on my on my desk. There's actually a librarian action figure with automatic shushing action that many of us have on our desk. <laughs> 
Um, we had to get away. We, we had to get away from that, right? The notion yeah. of we're shushing people in the library and then we're quiet, right? We're this uh, unassuming, uh, reactive group, right? That basically you you go there for print books and you go there for you know for them to retrieve an article for you. We want to be actively involved in the change, right? That we're not we're not defending you know irrationally the prints. You know we're not uh, we're not in a defensive posture. Uh, we're there to actually answer your question. We're there to help you. And so this change agent uh, concept, whether it's if your firm is combining, whether you're in a small firm or whether you're in another kind of uh, organization or institution, you know, a librarian, a researcher, a knowledge management uh, person should be right there at the, at the change, not just to document it and, and be passively receiving the information, but think about ways to arrange it in a way that it can be useful and we can monetize it and it can grow the business along the strategy of the firm and or the organization that they work in and that's that's really it the, the change in those moments of change you can get a lot more done right in those combinations right. you can right. design new systems you can bring people together in a new way and that really helps uh, helps people see the value in in process improvement and knowledge management is that you know they've, they've seen something new result out of uh, you know component pieces of something old I want to ask you about your philosophy or your approach to, uh, to, to your job. And I want to quote, uh, I don't know where this is from. Um, I, I, I swear it applies to you, uh, but I want you to, to explain this. And, and the line is, um, his research management approach emphasizes that the life cycle of knowledge is ongoing. The need for the answer is not a one-time need. What do you mean by that? We have to capture the value of our work, right? That when we receive a question, it may have no context in it at all. But with analytical processes, with thoughtfulness about how it came in and what reason was it asked and what could it be used for once we find this answer in the future, this is an ongoing thing. Could it be something we need to alert or track for uh, the better uh, the betterment of the practice? Who else needs to know this? This is just in this one discrete instance. Too often we're answering the question and it's over, right? And there's no sense. It's not captured anymore. It's not in a knowledge base. It's not recorded anywhere. And that piece of information that somebody very well may ask someone else six months down the road uh, in a different context may actually uh, benefit us to actually preserve that information, communicate about it so that it's not lost. It's not a one-time need and it vanishes. It's an ongoing knowledge cycle that, to support the ongoing knowledge needs of the firm. Got it. Got it. I want to shift gears a bit, Scott, to uh, law firm economics. And, and obviously, uh, you know, since the, the recession in 08 and 09, um, the law firm economics attached to research have changed dramatically. I mean, you, you know this better than um, nearly anyone, but, you know, obviously before, before the recession, I think uh, the realization rates of a lot of legal research that was done was much higher than it is now. And uh, Lexis, Westlaw, other legal research uh, costs were more readily um, directly billed and paid by the, the, the client. Um, that obviously is, is changing now. Um, where do you think that is going, you know, uh, 10 years from now, where do you think we will be with respect to the law firm economics associated with legal research? 
Well, like the the industry overall, there has to be some creativity in how we price our services. Right? You've seen the rise recently, uh, I think since 08, 09, of the pricing director. Right. And the notion of the alternative fee is going to be priced correctly or be an option uh, for the client. And in addition to that, you know, as researchers or knowledge management people, we need to see people who are looking at resources. We need to think, well, how do we conform or give our um our product, our internal research or knowledge management product, the same flexibility. And I think through that, we have to think about pricing the service. And so having rates, uh, billing rates for people instead of services, right? We're not really just reselling applications. We're not reselling data from our uh, research services providers or our publishers. We're actually providing a service that's augmented by very expert staff. Uh, we, we have a research staff at uh, Square patent bogs with almost 30 individuals globally with multiple language skills. And we have dozens of research services um, tools that we license from vendors. But the combination is the real value, right? right? It's the insight of the people. It's insight with the tools. And so we have, to that end, we have a lot of flexibility in how we recover for services if we choose to do that. Or, uh, you know, we try to look for something that maybe uh, even uh, an overhead or a or a uh, added value to the to the um, matter. If as long as it contributes value, we have that flexibility. Is it an hourly rate for the individual? Is it for a small cost to recover the cost of the um, of the application? Is it neither of those things? A project based cost? And I think with the availability of technology, and especially with availability of financial data associated with that and competitive information too, where we can look at where we are in the marketplace, I think we're pricing those services more accurately than ever before. And we work collaboratively with the pricing director too at Squire to, to figure those things out. So I, I think we're, we're at a good value point for the, for the uh, firm and the industry. And um, I think that this thinking of research or knowledge is a business within a business to serve the needs of everybody in the firm is a good way to look at things to, to really to really grow the business and, and learn more uh, and gain insight for everybody. You know, and this this question is kind of related to, to what you just uh, what you just mentioned. But uh, what are the most encouraging trends that you're seeing in knowledge management and legal technology in law firms right now? I think the interaction with the work product and the uh, adding of an efficiency, uh, whether it's uh, something like uh, Kara Case Text, which is miraculously adding uh, quality research and adding insight to your documents um, in a way that's never been done before, uh, I think, or whether it's uh, a new tool to help analyze contracts or look at documents, uh, you know, outside of the um outside of the traditional uh, way that we do. Um, you know, it's not, it's no longer enough to offer basically a static database. It has to have some interaction with work product and bring it along. And if you can, if you can offer that, if you can offer that uh, break down the wall between the, the traditional research database and the attorney work, pro, uh, work product for the client, I think you've got the real value there. That's when you definitely get the industry's attention. 
Scott, that, that was uh, a very, very fascinating response. And, you know, I want to thank you for uh, taking time out of your very busy schedule to join us here on uh, our podcast. So a big thanks. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you about, about these things. Staying here on it. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to the Modern Lawyer Podcast. We always love hearing from you, and we highly value your feedback. Reach out to me at onin at casetext.com, tweet at us with the hashtag modernlawyer, and check us out at modernlawyerpodcast.com. We hope you join us for our next episode. Special thanks to the Case Text team, especially our producer extraordinaire, Abby Hadidian. See you soon.